Welcome to the Evolved Caveman Podcast. I am Dr. John, the guide for your heroic journey towards greater health, success, and most importantly, happiness. And now, on with the show. Hey everybody, this is Dr. John back with the latest episode of the Evolved Caveman Podcast. And the topic for today is actually a two-parter on the most powerful emotion men face today And it's one that we, most of us anyway, have no idea that it's causing significant damage in our lives. But first, a brief invitation to come join us in Costa Rica for a life-changing retreat with myself, Dr. John, and my amazing fiance, Jory Rose, from April 22nd to April 29th, 2023, at the gorgeous Pura Vida Retreat and Spa. Each day, you'll have the opportunity to explore beautiful Costa Rica while also delving into relationship skills that will be sure to provide you with the tools to create and maintain your best relationship ever. Whether you are single, newly dating, been married for a long time, or are recently dating after divorce, these relationship skills will benefit you in all areas of your life, including parenting, romantic relationship, and work relationships. Having the ultimate relationship doesn't happen by chance. When you learn how to implement and integrate these scientifically proven tools, you'll have the chance to feel fulfillment, contentment, and satisfaction with yourself and your significant relationships. Everyone is worthy and deserving of being in great relationships. For more info, visit joryrose.com slash retreats. And now, on with the show. Okay. So men, what is the most powerful emotion that you face today and have no clue of its existence, most likely? So many of you have heard me talk about the man box, the rules about what it means to be a real man that we learn from society as we grow up. And when you ask thousands of male teenagers the simple question, what does it take to be a real man? you'll get repeated themes in their answers. And these themes of answers sound something like provide for the family. And then they're kind of followed by this long list of what you should not be. Don't be a sissy. Don't back down. Don't ask for help. Never turn down sex. Don't have needs. Don't lose. Don't be gay. Don't act like a girl and don't feel. And therein lies a huge problem for us, among some other ones. But I'm an emotion geek, and so I focus on emotions a lot of the time. But the problem is that along with being men, we are also human, as much as that annoys me at times. And one of the primary fundamental things humans do is feel. So we're faced with this massive conflict. We're faced with a rule deeply drilled into us by movies and sports that we play and social media and elders and peers. Be stoic. Don't feel. Don't be a pussy. And simultaneously, we're human. And we have a biological imperative to feel because feelings ensure our survival. Without emotions, we wouldn't know what to approach and what to avoid. 
So what happens when a societal rule comes directly into conflict, conflict with a biological imperative? And what happens when this occurs over and over? You see, I believe the result is shame. And let me give you an example. The typical man who becomes depressed, which is happening all over the world right now at alarming rates. When this mood of sadness persists, the typical man has thoughts of, oh shit, I'm not supposed to feel like this. I'm a man. Men aren't supposed to feel sad. And then he feels like less of a man. And his depression gets worse. Then he feels even less like a man. And the negative spiral downward continues. So what does he feel about this depression? Is it guilt? Well, he hasn't done anything wrong, so it doesn't seem like guilt. Is it embarrassment? Perhaps. But it's possible he can function with his depression and it only comes out as irritability, which is safe for us men. And so there's nothing to be embarrassed about there, potentially. The only other possible answer that I can come up with is shame. And we can literally repeat this same scenario, substituting in other uncomfortable emotions like fear, anxiety grief, sadness, embarrassment, hopelessness, anguish, despair, worry, dread, perfectionism, which may or may not be an emotion, loneliness, insecurity, hurt, and humiliation. So my contention is that if any of these emotions persist and come to conscious awareness, men can often feel shame as a result. Not always, but it's possible, if not probable. Because all of these emotions have been associated in our minds with the feminine. And part of our man box training is to avoid anything that smacks of the feminine. Because if we are seen to be feminine, then we're less masculine and thus less of a man. Now, the real men listening may say, so what? So what if I'm carrying around shit tons of shame? I'm a man. I can deal with anything, including some puny fucking emotion. Not really sure why my voice gets so deep when I'm pretending to be a real man, but we can talk about that later. All right. So let's dig into this a bit and let's see about that. So here are some brief definitions to get us started. And these definitions are verbatim from Brene Brown's new book, Atlas of the Heart, which I highly recommend and are derived from research because I'm also a research geek. Okay, so there's four emotions here I want to cover. Shame, guilt, humiliation, and embarrassment. So shame. I am bad. The focus is on myself, not my behavior. The focus is on self, not behavior. The result is that I feel flawed and unworthy of love, belonging, and connection. Now, keep in mind that we are in the midst of an epidemic of loneliness for men. And what I'm talking about here is shame, a driver of disconnection. One more thing, shame is not 
a driver of positive change. I think many of our parents tried to use shame to get us to behave better or, I don't know, perform better in school and said things like, you should be ashamed of yourself. Well, no, not really. I may feel guilty. I may want to look at how I can change my behavior, but I'm not all bad. So shame sounds something like this. You take a quiz and you get an F and your self-talk says, your inner critic says, I am so freaking stupid. Now notice that's I am. That's about my global being. It's about all of myself. Second is guilt. If shame is I am bad, guilt is I did bad or I did something bad. The focus is on behavior. How did you behave? What did you do? And guilt is the discomfort we feel when we evaluate what we've done or failed to do against our values. And our behavior doesn't stack up well against our values. Now, guilt can drive positive change and behavior. Guilt is kind of awesome because there's a boomerang effect to guilt, which is the only emotion I know that has this, where at first, guilt drives you away from the person that you have wronged. And so you kind of go away and have to consider what actually happened. And then guilt drives us to come back and make amends and apologize and say, you know what? I'm sorry. I fucked up. That's on me. I own that. Here's what I'm going to do to change my behavior for next time. So guilt sounds something like this. You take a quiz and you get an F and your inner critic goes, huh, you know, going to the party instead of studying for that quiz was freaking stupid. So you see the difference where in this case, your inner voice is focused on the behavior going to the party and not studying rather than on your whole self. I am an idiot. And these are really subtle differences and changes and awarenesses that you can have about that voice in your head that is the inner critic. And you can change your inner critic so that it focuses more on guilt and less on shame. And then later on, we're going to talk about self-compassion in episode two in the second part of the series. So the third emotion is humiliation. And humiliation comes up when I've been belittled and put down by someone. And being put down left me feel unworthy of connection and disgusted with myself. And the humiliation was unfair and I didn't deserve it. So whereas with shame, we believe we deserve our sense of unworthiness, with humiliation, we don't feel we deserve it. It feels like it comes from the external, the outside world, and was unjust. So it looks something like this. The student sitting next to you in class sees the F on your quiz paper and announces to the class, this idiot can't even pass a simple quiz. He's as dumb as they come. That's humiliation. Or, you know, I've seen situations where the teacher makes one kid in the class stand up and she berates him in front of the whole class. That's humiliation. The fourth one is embarrassment. I did something that made me uncomfortable, but I know I'm not alone. This often has to do with the violation of social norms. And everyone does these kind of things. And it's fleeting, lasts maybe 30 seconds, and sometimes it's funny. I think ideally it's funny. Ideally, we can laugh at ourselves after you, you know, fart at lunch with your ex-spouse or slip on a banana peel. 
And, you know, ideally we don't want to take ourselves too seriously and we can kind of laugh at that. So embarrassment looks something like this. The teacher's handing back the quizzes in class. You come back from the bathroom, toilet paper is stuck to your shoe. Someone sees and people laugh or snicker. You feel embarrassed. You're like, oh man, this sucks, but I'm embarrassed, but people have done this before. So now that you have some basic definitions, let me share with you my recent experience with shame. Because I thought, as some of you might also, that I didn't have any shame in me. And I I think part of this is because shame is so difficult to spot. When shame comes over us, we are in it. We are completely immersed in our thoughts and our feelings. So it's really hard to step back and step out of that thought stream and observe. Now, let me say up front, I don't believe I suffer from chronic shame. Again, there's a difference between chronic and transient shame. Chronic is all or most of the time you feel ashamed. Transient comes up from minutes or seconds. So my shame is brief and sporadic. And I realized it was coming up when I got stuck in a disagreement with my fiance, Jory. And here's how I began to recognize it. Jory and I were in an argument over something stupid, isn't it? Almost always over something ridiculous. Anyway, I've realized that I can stay present in an argument with her for about 15 minutes, give or take five minutes. After 15 minutes, I have a tendency to get emotionally flooded. And typically this arises in the form of anger. And it might be anger at myself, it could be a jury, or it could be both of us. When I notice this, I try to keep my mouth shut so I don't say anything in anger that's going to make things worse and really hurt her feelings. And while my intentions are good, there's a problem with this approach. Because it looks like, and it is, stonewalling. That is, it's disconnecting from the conversation and from my partner. To put it in Gottman's language, it is a turning away. And stonewalling is a problematic behavior that is one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse from Gottman. And it's one of those things that you want to get on and take a look at and be curious about because it does not help the overall health of your relationship. So in any case, when I get flooded, I'm kind of useless. And I've learned recently that I can dissociate in those moments, which means that my attention goes somewhere else. Usually, it starts kind of randomly scanning negative past events. So I go mentally to a negative past. And this means that I am no longer in the present moment. In other words, I am no longer present in this argument. I have effectively gone somewhere else. And when I go there, if my emotion is intense enough, I can also go to self-loathing, disgust, and sadness. And at that point, in this recent argument, I started hearing thoughts such as, I'm not worthy of connection. I don't deserve to be in a relationship. I suck at this relationship thing. She's better off without me. Those are dangerous thoughts. Those are thoughts that fuel disconnection and breakup. And I begin to think about breaking things off. With Jory. And remember, all of this may have started over something stupid and trifling. So I want you to pay attention and realize that these thoughts are indicative of shame. 
And the definition of shame is the intensely painful feeling of believing that we are flawed and thus unworthy of love, belonging, and connection. Unworthy of connection. Unworthy of love. That is not true of any of us. So these thoughts are completely and utterly untrue and full of shit. So when I realized this recently, my first thought was, oh my God, I do have some shame. Son of a bitch. My next thought was that I needed to get some help with this and ultimately found a top-notch therapist to help me get past this. Because this, this stuff is pretty deep. So back to the question, what's the big deal with shame? I can deal with a little shame. The problem is that that's not true. Not if that shame convinces us that we are unworthy of connection and is the fuel behind a myriad of broken relationships. And again, we have an epidemic of loneliness in this country among men. And I'm sure it's well beyond men, but I know it's with men. And I believe that the primary reason we are here alive and on earth is connection. A fundamental truth about humans is that we are a deeply social species. We need other humans to survive. If we got kicked out of the tribe back in the day when we were living in tribes, that often meant our death. So connection is at some deep level within us truly a matter of life or death. And as much as I hate to admit it, we need satisfying relationships with others to fuel our happiness. And shame works against that fundamental need. Let me give you some other examples of how you can tell that you might be dealing with a touch of shame. If you're being hypersensitive, if you get your feelings hurt frequently from relatively little comments, if you're feeling unappreciated a lot of the time, if you're raging at your children at times, if you're dealing with bankruptcy, if you lost your job and you have to tell your wife, shame might come up if you're getting asked for a divorce and your wife tells you, you just don't turn me on or I want to have children, but not with you. Shame can come up if you get a DUI driving under the influence. If you're hiding the fact that you're dealing with something like depression or anxiety or addiction, or OCD, or bipolar, or narcissism, or borderline, or a phobia, or childhood trauma, or sexual assault, or you're in recovery. That might lead to shame. If you have a parent in prison, that could lead to shame. If you're using internet porn, that often brings up shame. If you've flunked out of school, if you weren't able to finish high school, if you never went to college, if you were never, never able to graduate college, if you weren't from the right side of the tracks economically, if you're feeling used by other people frequently, rejection can bring up shame. Rejection, asking out someone on a date or being rejected from a group of friends. Um, sometimes not sharing your thoughts because you're afraid of being embarrassed. 
can lead to shame. Perfectionism is often shame-based. Feeling like an outsider being left out. And finally, feeling like you can't be your true self, so inauthenticity can result in shame. Now, let me turn to some of the causes of chronic and transient shame from Peter Bregan's book, Guilt, Shame, and Anxiety. Because I realized I had some shame and then I went back and I was like, okay, did I, was there any trauma in my past that maybe I'm not aware of, or maybe I kind of minimized? And I don't think so, but childhood trauma and abuse is one of the main causes of shame. And it could be sexual, physical, and or emotional abuse. Childhood neglect can lead to shame where your parents were just like, yeah, we're going to Mexico for five days. You kids will be fine. Here's some money for the groceries. Any mental health disorder involving self-criticism or judgment can lead to shame, such as social anxiety disorder, where you're really worried about what other people think about you. Not living up to overly high standards that you set for yourself. Feeling as if your flaws or inadequacy will be revealed to others. That might be related to the imposter syndrome. Being the victim of bullying, particularly repeated bullying, and rejection or exclusion from others. I was working with a client some years ago that was showing signs of trauma and shame. And one of the things we came up with was the fact that he was watching a lot of highly violent, true-to-life videos on 4chan. Um, And they were like... He would tell me what they were, and even just hearing the description of the video was hard for me to get the image out of my head. Now, I don't know if that can cause shame and trauma, but repeated exposure to it thousands or hundreds of times could be enough little t trauma to lead to shame. Now, you may be wondering at this point if you have any vestiges of shame. Perhaps your shame is chronic and comes up frequently. Or maybe your shame is transient and comes up like mine only for a few minutes here and there. First of all, it's okay. It's normal. It's human. My belief is that we all have at least a bit of shame in us because we're human and we're still evolving. So here is your homework assignment for this week to prep you for next week. Number one, stay present as much as you can particularly in emotionally uncomfortable situations, like getting yelled at by a supervisor, getting in a disagreement with a loved one, perhaps arguing with a family member over a will or a state, and so on. And remind yourself in those moments, breathe deeply, and just repeat the mantra, stay present, stay here. Number two, be curious about what you're feeling in your most uncomfortable moments. And wonder about what you are thinking in those moments and try and pin it down. Because I only realized I had some shame due to the thoughts about not being worthy of connection in my head. So it wasn't all about emotion and what was going on in my body. It was more about paying attention to the thoughts in my head. And then three, label it when you discover it, when and if you discover it. And then tune in next week for part two, which is all about what we do about our shame. Okay, so now you realize you have a little bit of shame. What the hell do we do about that? And I'll discuss that next week 
on the Evolved Caveman podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate your time and attention. I hope you are well. And that is it for this episode of the Evolved Caveman. Thank you for listening to the Evolved Caveman podcast. If you like what you've heard, support us by subscribing, leaving reviews, and sharing the podcast with friends and colleagues. For the latest, most powerful tools to connect with like-minded men, join the Facebook group at The Evolved Caveman. Follow Dr. John on Instagram at The Evolved Caveman, all one word, or join the email list by visiting guidetoself.com. 